Welcome to episode 12 of Swift Unwrapped. Uh, Swift Unwraps, a podcast on everything that's happening in Swift, Apple's programming language. Uh, my name is JP Simard. And I'm Jesse Squires. And today we have a sponsor. It is Cobaton, uh, empowering mobile developers. Uh, Cobaton is your complete mobile device lab solution where you can manage the devices you own and access the devices you need. You can test on internal or external devices you need any time from anywhere. Uh, they help you increase productivity by centralizing testing history and insights to improve collaboration across teams. And uh, they help reduce costs by minimizing investment in new device inventory while still accessing uh, the most current devices. It's simple to sign up and start testing. Uh, just go to kobaton.com slash swiftunwrapped. And today we have um, a really uneventful topic. Uh, no opinions on this whatsoever. <laughs> Is Swift evolution pulling its weight? Yeah. That's a big question. It's, uh, I, th I feel like this has kind of come up uh, a lot before. It's kind of a struggle within the Swift community that isn't always explicitly mentioned um, or maybe passively mentioned in certain ways. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's um, kind of a taboo topic in some ways, even though lots of people are talking about it, but I don't, yeah. I don't think the, uh, the root cause or like a full analysis uh, has really been done. So that's why we're talking about it. Yeah, uh, I think the, uh, the conflict there comes with, well, everyone really appreciates Swift being open and having a way to influence the language and influence what's being done. Uh, but then you, you always have this cost of like the overhead of um, that the process itself um, and then also the products of that process, what comes out of that. Yeah, and um, keeping in mind that the uh, that resources are limited um, and that to put so much uh, priority and, and emphasis on something, uh, even if that something's good, uh, it does necessarily take away from other things, and it's uh, a cost that needs to be carefully evaluated. Um, and this is where I think a lot of this tends to be taboo because obviously uh, everything should be open and we should feel free to have open uh, conversations and uh, we should celebrate ideas of the community. So obviously everything should be open, but um, it's, it's much like um, – you know, a, uh, a city, a city council that's determining what it is that they should spend their time on. Like if you ask a constituent, should we improve the roads? Obviously they're going to say yes. Well, then what if, okay, well, to improve the roads, we need to take things away from healthcare or education. And then they'll second guess and they'll say, oh yeah. And on top of that, it'll take 10 times as long to build this road because we're also doing these other things. And then it, things, the cost really starts to, sh to, um, to be highlighted. And, uh, and emphasized. And so that's what we want to do today is to really have an honest look at the cost of openness, so to speak. Yeah, I think a like one of the best examples here that uh, has come up recently, 
um, would be the access control situation in SWIFT. And we won't rehash those debates here, but just uh, we touched on this briefly in that episode, uh, but uh, really focusing on uh, just the cost of that process. I think it's pretty uh, mentally taxing for everyone involved in those discussions to have these debates on the mailing list when you have very strong opinions on all sides. Um, of course, you know, to contrast that with proposals where um, some things are, are very straightforward and it's like unanimous positive feedback on a proposal. And in that situa- those situations, um, you know, there's a lot less friction and perhaps we don't really think about it as much. It really comes up in these more controversial topics. Yeah. And there's kind of a third category as well of uh, things that are so either so specific or so complex that uh, very few people will voice an opinion on. And this is the bike shedding effect where uh, if you have a complex or very important problem um, or something where there is no clear solution, uh, right? It's just weighing trade-offs all the way through. People will probably um, be more hesitant to weigh in. But when it comes uh, down to something like syntax, well, everyone's got an opinion. right? Um, so those all tend to be very controversial because everyone has an opinion uh, and everyone wants to weigh in and wants to contribute. So we see a wide range of um, of debate, depending on the type of uh, discussion that's going on. Yeah, I think one of the biggest problems there, like one of the things I've found most frustrating um, is really uh, contributors on the Swift Evolution mailing lists um, not really listening sometimes. Um, specifically in the access control debate, you know, it was very clear that source compatibility was um, – not to be broken, like source compatibility was a primary goal for Swift 4. And so uh, there were a ton of emails about changing the keywords. And that was something that was like completely out of the picture. And so, and and there have been other uh, discussions on the mailing list like this before, where something is just totally out of scope or literally impossible. Like, we cannot change keywords at this point, yet it keeps getting rehashed on these lists and discussed, which I found frustrating. And I think that just contributes to a lot of overhead in these discussions where it's this bike shedding, which is useful. Bike shedding in general is useful in some cases, but this is one of those cases where uh, I think it was pretty detrimental. Yeah, it takes... um a lot of institutional discipline to uh, constrain bike shedding, um, if if not constrain it, then to kind of quickly assess uh, the situation and then move on depending on the weight and severity of uh, whatever hot new debate there is. Um, And that's something that, um, you know, good managers tend to be able to do on an individual basis uh, in in a work setting. But... um, when you have these large open conversations like these that uh, are open to everyone and anyone, open to the public, and um, opinions are, are celebrated, which they certainly should be, um, uh, which is why it makes this debate difficult, then it's not just the not just one person can say, "All right, 
well, let's move on. We've um, right. assessed that for these reasons, uh, it is detrimental to continue down this path and we need to move on to other things. You know, Swift doesn't have a dictatorship model. Um, and you, you look at some other large op- open source projects and Linux uh, really comes to mind there with Linus Torvald. Um Really? <laughs> well, this, what do you mean? This is not a breaking news podcast um, where uh, at the end of the day, someone will lay down the law and uh, that has its own problems, obviously. Um, so I'm curious to see if there are ways to uh, have the benefits of an open discussion system with Without so much the, um, uh, the 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 large costs of going down um, an impossible rabbit hole, uh, and really diverting energy and resources for long periods of time, especially mental and just emotional resources, like when your users are constantly saying no, this keyword is broken. You know, as a tool builder, yeah. there's an inclination to to want to please the user, obviously, but. Uh, there's at a certain point you have to step back and, and say, no, uh, uh, we have our, we have other priorities. Yeah. And I think it's good for everyone to consider the Swift team's perspective. Um, you know, imagine if you are working on uh, whatever task you have to fix bugs or do these performance improvements. And then all of a sudden this, uh, well, maybe not all of a sudden, but, you know, a round of proposals gets accepted and they have to be uh, completed for the next release. And so now this work that you're doing uh, on performance optimizations or bug fixes, uh, that has to stop and you have to totally switch gears, switch context, and implement whatever feature is in the recent proposal. Yeah. Um, and when everything, when when all of your work is directed by um, kind of flashy conversations in, uh, in discussions, it tends to deprioritize or de-emphasize some of the smaller um, quality of life uh, improvements that can be done. They can't necessarily be like super pinpointed, such as, you know, improving diagnostics, uh, improving error messages, improving compile times in small ways, doing internal refactorings, cleaning up, reducing technical debt. These are, are things that tend to be de-emphasized when it's mostly a user-driven conversation that is driving the future of a product. Um, and we've we've seen this, we've actually discussed this before where uh, we kind of saw a period of time around like de- uh, November, December, where mm-hmm. we noticed a resurgence of, um, or a spike in the amount of internal cleanup that uh, core team members had a chance to do. But ideally, you know, you don't break things for nine months of the year and then you clean up for the remaining three and then repeat the cycle. It, it right. has to be an ongoing uh, consideration. And I think uh, the core team is absolutely not to blame here. It is the system that is um, really kind of forcing them to uh, implement uh, the will of the people uh, rather than, say, um, have a more uh, uh, centered approach on kind of being informed by discussions, but still having the final say uh, to to more of an extent. I know that is being done today, but it's, it's a continuum. And it can definitely be pushed a little bit more towards the discussion as input source rather than um, uh, uh, deciding factor. Yeah, for sure. I think 
again, like we mentioned before, we saw uh, there's there's just a ton of churn leading up to the Swift 3 release. The 2 to 3 uh, change was quite large. And uh, the team definitely took measures uh, in this 3 to 4 cycle to mitigate what we saw by really having a stronger focus. But uh, I still feel like there are a lot of proposals that still like need to be implemented, or there are at least a, a few uh, that we saw within the past few weeks that, you know, this release is like starting to wrap up, WWDC is coming up, and there's still a few things that, that need to get implemented. Um, there's a, a shout out on the mailing list asking for help from the community, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, um, to improve the diagnostics for multi-line string literals. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in that that situation that we're it, it's definitely much better than the Swift 3 release, but I think this kind of shows like, oh, this process is still uh like bogging down like Swift development in some way if we have more proposals than we can actually implement uh, in the amount of time that we have. Well, e- even uh, if y- you do have enough time to implement those proposals, it's that it takes time and resources away from other things or yep, um, exactly. it really pushes the balance of power in terms of deciding where the language goes next really heavily on the users, mm-hmm. um, which... Uh, is amazing in some sense, but ultimately um, uh, what happens if two years from now there's a large amount of technical debt uh, that has just accumulated and then the users will blame the implementers, but <laughs> right. you know <laughs> we have to work together on this and if um, you know if that means uh, carving out a dedicated uh, subset of the team to to work on, um, more of this, more of this internal stuff, which definitely happens. There are more private contributors to the in, in the Swift core team that aren't as active in the community necessarily, and that is, mm-hmm. I think, by necessity. Right? You you have right. a handful of people. Uh, last episode we discussed um, the law of exclusivity. Well, some of that work's being done by people who aren't as vocal and involved with the community. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe there are other ways to do it, like carving out. Uh, periods of time where um, there are really no uh, discussions happening on Swift Evolution or uh, there is no expectation that the core team will be involved in any of them so they can really focus on quality of life. Or, you know, maybe that there's uh, a stronger stance on um, what the core team ends up spending their time on um, that's really just more informed by public discussions rather than dictated. Sure. Yeah, I would definitely like to see um, a stricter theme for the next Swift release. I think this one, Swift 4, was uh, definitely a step in the right direction, but I'd, I think I'd like to see like a more firm, like, this is our goal and we're not, you know, going to set, accept like all these tangential proposals, right. um, but uh, it's give or take. Yeah. yeah. And I think uh, the looking at the goals and, and the guidelines and constraints for proposals for Swift 4, I do think it was fairly strict, but that the community still finds a way to get what they want to fit within those constraints. Like one example, obviously, access control, since we're picking on SC25, let's just keep <laughs> beating on it. Um, 
but uh, you know the the fairly strict constraint of saying that uh, source compatibility was a strong goal, unless there's something very broken. Well, now you have people saying yes, fob private is very broken for their definition of very broken, which right. um, I w- would say is a, a strong stretch. But anyway, sure. opinions uh, abound when it comes to this. Yeah, and uh, one other thing to note is, uh, again, kind of focusing on uh, the process itself. Back in February, uh, Ted Kriminick sent out an email um, about the plan to move the Swift Evolution and Swift users mailing lists over to Discourse. If you're not familiar, Discourse is like some like a forum uh, kind of platform where you know I guess it'd be more similar to something like the Apple Dev forums, basically where you have topic threads and people can comment. Um, the whole impetus behind this was. Uh, really from the community wanting something uh, better than uh, Swift Evolution. The arguments were that, you know, email is kind of archaic and um, it's hard to search and it's hard to see like what's been discussed before and it's difficult to bring up these old discussions. And so uh, there are probably a few other reasons there, but I think it's mostly like searching and archiving and moderating all of these discussions, uh, which is not really the best uh, via email. But now someone has to do this. And not only is it like creating uh, discourse and like having these discussions there, it's also importing all of the old mailing list discussions to move everything over to preserve all of this history and then eventually move forward on discourse, which is sounds like a huge project to me. Yeah, not only that, but also um, what are the implications for uh, curating and uh, just maintaining the discussions there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that might have additional overhead or just running these servers as opposed to mailing list servers, which you know, Apple open source projects have um, <laughs> mastered by now yeah, uh, yeah. D- you know, just because it they've done it quite a few times with WebKit and LVM, et cetera. Um, so who knows the additional overhead that this will that this will have? Yeah. Right. Not to mention that it's only the Swift evolution and Swift users lists that are moving to this. Um, all of the other lists will remain uh, as they are. So I think you know you have that that divide now between these uh, these different lists. Maybe that won't be a, a big deal in practice, but. Certainly, the process itself is um, imposing quite a bit of overhead. And this, as far as I know, hasn't even been really started. Maybe someone at Apple is doing this privately. I know uh, Nate Cook set up this like really quick kind of hacky demo to like uh, import old mailing list discussions. He just had like a, a trial account on Discourse and he kind of did like a proof of concept. Uh, but I think it's still... Um, ha- it seems like it hasn't really been uh, touched. Yeah. So to me, this feels a bit like a uh, grass is greener on the other side type of situation where, right. um, you know, just because mailing lists aren't perfect and certainly the user experience of uh, kind of Piper mail um, yeah. is yeah. dated, uh, but ultimately um, is the effort and the switch and just the um, – 
the effort that it'll take to change the momentum of swift evolution to just okay well do this big push everything uh that you used to be familiar with is now kind of moving over to a new thing is that worth um the the trouble and i'm i'm not convinced it is like obviously it's got a great uh front end web ui but mm-hmm. um is that uh, is it the wrong solution or is it a superset of a solution to just like a tiny problem right, right. uh there's uh, some great Mac apps and iOS apps out there for reading the the evolution mailing lists. So if it's just a UI problem, you know, is it necessary to move over to an entirely different platform and uh, the overhead involved there? Uh, I'm not convinced, but um, I'm I'm just an armchair critic, so who knows? Not to mention, I expect that Discourse will receive more traffic. Um, it's more user friendly, I think. Um, and so I expect like more discussions to happen there. It's like kind of less of a barrier to just create a discourse account than like signing up for an email list, which it's not hard to sign up for the mailing list, but you know, maybe it is a bit dated, but I think that uh, this will increase Swift Evolution traffic, actually, is my hypothesis. But Jesse, how but. could you be against <laughs> having more open conversations and more people jump in? Um, you know, I, I do think that some uh, minor barriers is a good thing, especially when you consider that it, it's not a financial barrier. Uh, it's not a technological barrier, right? Yep. Anyone who can sign up on Discourse can certainly have an email address and sign up to a mailing list. Yeah, And so... Um, lowering the the barrier in other ways uh i don't know we might see a different spam problem uh, mm. moving to a different platform you know considerations that haven't been uh, that have been solved you know decades ago for for mailing lists so who knows um if if this will be a net win in in the long run yeah um i think maybe one benefit will be uh having these topics more targeted so you can only you know, let's say there's a thread on discourse of like multi-line strings and maybe you can unsubscribe from that if you don't care. So maybe that could be a benefit. Right, but right. Yeah, there are definitely again, some benefits. Yeah. But again, I'm I'm pretty neutral on this actually. I, you know, I think the main issue here is just this cost of moving over. Yeah. Uh, there's two tweets from Slava Pestov that uh, are relevant to this conversation here, um, going back again to the the cost of uh, openness. And, uh, you know, one of, one of them is just a comment made in passing um, that he'd love to be fixing bugs right now, but Swift Evolution happened. So he spent the last three weeks implementing subclass existentials. Um, and so this is, again, the real life ramifications of um the the proposal process um and then there's there's another where he shares that uh it's likely that 90% of swift users don't care much for uh the changes that are being pushed in swift evolution or rather i think he means the swift evolution process specifically and they'd rather have better tooling Tooling is one of the major things that people have brought up that needs improvement in Swift, uh, but maybe those improvements aren't necessarily well-suited for the evolution process. They're better suited for someone who is deeply familiar with the implementation, mm-hmm. um, with kind of a collection of small ways to improve the general situation. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out, um, I mean, statistically, if you look at the active users on Swift evolution versus 
all of Apple platform developers, um, it's probably more than 90% of people who are not active at all on Swift Evolution uh, who uh, perhaps don't even really keep up with anything that's happening until WWDC um, and see all of the changes for the new Swift version then. Um, and uh, for those people, um, I can see them being very confused or just caught off guard by uh, certainly the Swift 3 changes. And for, for those people who are not keeping up with what's happening on Swift Evolution, yet they feel the impact of those decisions and that churn and the, the cost there. But uh, one thing's for sure, like you mentioned that the active members as part of the community say uh, is still just a fraction and not necessarily a representative fraction of uh, the greater group of Swift users in general, but it is a better representation than just having the core team. For sure. Right. And we talked mostly about the downsides of Swift (laughs) evolution in this episode, I find, but there's definitely a lot of upside. Um, At this point, I think we're, we're mostly just, trying to see um, if there are ways to further improve uh, the relationship between um, users and implementers or um, active community members versus the Swift users as a whole. So, you know, please take the the credit- criticisms that we have as constructive because uh, overall it is really amazing that uh, we have this wonderful open process. Yeah. Uh, one final note, I think a good kind of supplement to Swift Evolution as far as like uh, getting feedback on Swift is that uh, the core team and other Swift team members are available on Twitter and they're responsive there um, and they listen. And so it's like another way to interact with the Swift team to improve Swift without necessarily going through Swift Evolution. It's an unofficial channel for sure, um, but it is still nice that that is available. Well, I think that's all for uh, this episode. Uh, again, thanks to Kobotan for sponsoring. Uh, go to kobotan.com slash swiftunwrapped uh, to start your free trial. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at SimJP. And you can find me at Jesse underscore Squires. And you can find the podcast at Swift underscore Unwrapped. Thanks for listening.